Welcome to another episode of Deep Woods Pursuit Podcast. Uh, I'm Ryan Bailey. I've got Jansen McCloy on here with me and Nate Green. Fellas, how y'all this evening? Doing good. How about yourself? I'm getting along. Jansen, how are you? Oh, great, buddy. So it's been quite some time since we did one of these, but our intentions and our plans are to start doing them again, right? Correct. Yes, sir. So we were planning on having a guest tonight and just couldn't get our schedules to meet up right, but um, we'll hopefully post this one maybe towards the end of the week and then hopefully the first of next week record one with a guest and I'll, I'll keep it under my hat who it is for right now. But, um, we thought we'd get on here and record a quick one, maybe short, who knows, we may start rambling and go on, but, um, kind of get things going and back up and running and I've missed it. I enjoy uh, doing them and I've missed sitting down and chatting with y'all. Yeah. It's been a while. been a while. So it is August the 18th tonight, and we are inching closer to deer season. And I see we got – ours comes in September 11th for me and Nate. Jansen, when does yours come in? Well, um, I'm doing the urban archery again here local, and it comes in, uh, I believe, the 5th of September. That's a, a good uh, good topic to start it on. If you don't care for those that aren't from West Virginia or Ohio or right there in that area, explain to us, because I'm not even familiar with it exactly, explain to us the whole urban thing and tell us a little bit about how I know you did it last year and tell us a little bit about it. So uh, my town here in West Virginia, or where I used to live, I, I moved one town over, but uh, – they do every year. Um, they select 30 people to do an urban archery controlled deer hunt. Um, used to be, it used to be confined to 90 acres. It's like a, um, I wouldn't call it a wildlife preserve, but something, something similar to that. They close down like the walking trails and, and you're allowed to set your stands up and stuff. It's pretty much, you treat it like public hunting. You're not allowed to use any screw and steps, but, uh, you have to take an archery proficiency test to make sure you can shoot ethically and you're not going to shoot a deer and it run into someone's yard you know god forbid that happened but but they've they've been doing it for quite some time now and it's it's pretty successful uh you get seven deer tags you can kill five does and two bucks and it doesn't count towards your season bag limit and this is my fourth year doing it um, last year i was able to kill a buck in four days and uh it's it's interesting. You, you see people walking, you hear dogs, you hear sirens, the deer, uh, you would think they'd be like pets. Um, I haven't experienced that yet. I mean, they're not, they're not like what, what I would hunt in Ohio or, or anything else. I mean, they're a little less skittish, but you do see a ton of deer. Um, two years ago, they started making it legal to, if you got written permission, on a piece of property that was in city limits privately owned that is four acres or more. Um, as long as it's approved by the city, you can hunt that. So, uh, last year I worked my tail off making phone calls and knocking on every door, I think in the city limits of Parkersburg. Um, I was able to get three 
I believe three parcels of ground, one of them being 90 acres, which was probably the best one I could have got. And uh, me and a buddy got, got in there and shoot. I think every time we sat in the stand, we probably seen 30 or 40 deer. Uh, last year we had a big trouble with poaching um, just cause it's kind of hard to, hard to keep people from shooting them out of their backyards when you border a big piece of ground like that. But we, we got that taken care of and it, it's, it's awesome. I mean, they rut the same, you know, it's, it's interesting, but it gives you a chance to get a velvet buck, which here in, here in West Virginia and Ohio, our season doesn't come in until late September, but this urban hunt comes in a little earlier. So it runs just your full season. I think it's September 5th through December 31st. So you got all year to fill your tags and then you just turn in your information and they use that data to justify doing it next year. You, you know, your harvest and how many deer were taken and, whatnot but yeah it's a it's a good opportunity to get out there and hunt um just in a different way and maybe get an earlier head start on everybody else and i think i remember correctly it was three years ago don't you have to fill one doe tag before you get a buck tag is this same place that that happened yeah you do and uh three years ago i was fortunate enough to get selected and the first day in the stand, I had a, a 13 point full velvet bucket, 15 yards. And all I could do was video. I'll never he, forget that. He, he walked out of my life and I, I've ended up feeling a doe tag the same, the same morning and never seen the deer again, but I do know he survived the following year and he is alive this year. And I will say he's probably a hundred and mid one fifties, one sixty class deer this year. I was going to say, he's probably wow. going to be a giant. Cause he and was... last year, I mean, I don't know if you guys remember me sharing the pictures or not, but we did have a, a 171 killed. That's awesome. And yeah. on the urban. So it's it's awesome. And, and it's a good reason. They, I mean, they do it. A lot of people donate the meat. It gives you a good chance to donate the meat to the community as well as, you know, try to cut down on as many deer, get hit by a car in town, which those numbers are skyrocket every year. So. It, it's a good it's a good opportunity it always sure. it always amazes me whenever i come up you know here how few deer you see hit on the side of the road and then when i come up there it's like as soon as i hit i uh, say charleston west virginia or so when i hit about that area you start seeing them on the side of the road hit and then oh, by yeah. the time i make it closer to your house it's it's like every mile there'll be a deer on the side of the road and you it's just not like that here it's amazing at the, the numbers the numbers <laughs> this year are insane uh me and my buddy have been scouting a ton and i do have permission to hunt all the all the same three places that i hunted last year but obviously we're always trying to find new spots but we've been looking in town and and uh actually my buddy strolled up on a field that's actually not in city limits it just you would think it would be just where it's located but it, the way they have the tax map and stuff it's not but uh if you guys seen these bucks this bachelor group of bucks it, it'd make you throw up mm. i mean there is I, i've killed some nice deer in my life and there's five out of the eight bucks that i would put on my wall in any state anytime that's wow. crazy I mean, one has a drop time and one has an extra beam that goes down around its face. 
I mean, they're just freaks. So we're still working on that, but we, I, I think he's asked four places that border it, and they've all said no. So he's got one left to seal the deal on because they're going to lose. Just watch him. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I, I look forward to, to seeing what happens on the in the urban hunt. So it looks like you'll get you'll be the first one to get started if you get September fifth. We'll our season starts the eleventh, so we'll get kicked off then. Uh, I probably will start about the same time as you. I'm actually on call for work that first that first full week, but but yeah, I'm I'm anxious for sure. It's it's quickly approaching. Um I've got I've been checking cameras maybe once a week or so. I've got one one decent buck that I'll I would shoot here. And there's a couple more. There's one he really could could use another year. He's a kind of a narrow rack eight pointer. Um, but he's got a double throat patch. And that's cool. Yeah, if I see him I it's gonna be hard to pass up because he, he would be a beautiful <laughs> mount. He's just bright white double throat patches. He's pretty slick, but it'd be great if he could live another year. But I, I don't know that yeah, I could pass sure. him if, if that happened. It's tough. So, so let's talk about quickly. Um, I know several of us are trying some new things this year. Um, we'll start with Nate and let him tell you a little bit about, it. I know he's about to make a, a bow change. Um, and some other things that he may be trying new this year. We'll let him talk about his first and then we'll, me and Jansen will jump in. Yeah. I shot it kind of in the middle of the season and didn't really get to hunt with it much, but I shot a lot with it after season was over and, and uh, during the season when I had a chance and I really, I really liked the boat. <clears throat> after shooting a lot of Athens and a lot of different ones at ATA a couple of years ago when Ryan and I and his dad went. But I've recently uh, purchased a uh, APA, I believe it's a Mamba 34. It's an older model, a few years old, but uh, still slinging arrows pretty fast. I think it's 345, 355 feet per second, somewhere around in there. I should be getting that. Uh, in the next week or two, I uh, had a buddy pick it up for me down in Georgia, and uh, he's got to ship it up to me. But uh, we're excited to try that, and uh, hopefully we can get some kills with it this year and get some good footage. That's about as far as all I'm trying to do this year. I did finally get all of my my saddle equipment ready, and uh, going to be trying that for the first time this year. I know you guys tried it last year and fell in love with it, so hopefully I, I'll – do the same but other than that i'm way behind on my season prep as usual i've got to get over and do some clearing and stuff it's just been so hot here that i don't want to do anything my evenings when i get evenings free it's either raining or i've got to cut grass at home or do things of that nature so you know life gets in the way but we're still gonna make a way to get out in the woods it's been unusually hot here lately it's Temperature was showing 93, 94, but it felt even hotter than that. I don't know about you, 
Nate, but it, it felt a lot hotter than that, even on oh, those absolutely. days. Yeah. We had we had two days last week here that the temperature was 98 and the heat index was 108. That's wild. Dude, walk outside and start sweating. Oh, you even can't doing even nothing. get out of the truck and not break a sweat. It's been it's been a challenge. It, it's hard to get motivated when it's 90 degrees, but well, I'll put it this way. I don't have a camera out or nothing. Yeah, I don't either. I don't either yet. I mean, to be honest, it, it tends for me to get that way later and later in the year. And I mean, later and later, you know, when I hunt used to, I would start July 4th religiously and put cameras out and start baiting and doing all this stuff. But the more, I mean, here locally, I don't, I don't know how it is where you guys are, but I just feel like it's fun to watch them like that, but with, with the prices of your feed and, and everything and with having two kids and a wife, I know we all got families. I, I, I feel like it's almost, I don't want to say a waste of time because any type of scouting is never a waste, but I feel like the farms I hunt now aren't that good early season as right. the farm used to. So I feel like I can kind of sit back and take a breather and just be patient. And then now I know, and I got it patterned where I can go in this week, set up my stuff, be ready. Don't need no bait. And the way things have worked the past two years, it's worked out for me. So I think I'm just going to stick with that. And obviously with urban, I'll be, I'll be, uh, going crazy in there here in a couple of weeks. But as far as the is concerned, I don't really get too amped up about it until, till my long break on vacation i'll prep two weeks before that before you get here ryan and we should be good to go yeah and speaking of bait and and corn specifically like last year or a couple years ago i started doing like i got a 55 gallon drum and i started buying it that way well last year i was paying 35 dollars for the 55 gallon drum at the it's probably about 20 minutes away at a farmer. He has a silo with a, you pull it up, pull up on the back of your truck and they fill your barrel up. But this year I paid 60 a barrel. Um, it's a barrel. I mean, it's $11 for 50 pounds here. Yeah. It's, it's 10 here. It's just crazy. Everything. I mean, the con economy in general is oh, it's wild right now. Gas, uh, lumber, corn, everything. It's ridiculous. I feel like a lot of times, uh, my experience baiting real, real early in the season, I don't feel like they get too amped up to eat corn super early. At least they don't hear. I don't know if it's because, you know, I live around a lot of agriculture and they got beans and stuff to choose from and pick through and everything's still lush and green. Uh, so I've noticed if I create a corn pile or something like that back in the day, you know, they'd hit it here and there, but not too heavy. So my friends have more luck, you know, putting out minerals and then waiting until a lot later, like maybe, you know, right, right closer to when season comes in in September to start with the corn because it'll just mold up and yeah, start growing. They definitely, they definitely won't touch it if it's molded. No. I've, I've, I figured that out. I've, I've had really good luck with, uh, with Lucky Buck. Speaking of minerals, um, several of my cameras, that, that's what I put out. And 
right now I have a camera on some corn and then there's a stump that I've, I've put luckily on the last couple of years. And what the camera shows is even those bucks, everything walks over the corn and goes to the stump with the lucky buck. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's fairly consistent. So one thing that I am trying or not necessarily trying, but doing new this year, um, I kind of bought into the whole uh, ranch ferry heavy era setup. And if, if you folks don't know who the ranch ferry is or hadn't heard of the whole, his whole theory and, and process, I highly recommend going and looking at it. Um, the Ashby Foundation, also good to look at. That's kind of who initially started it back in the 80s, Ed Ashby. Um, so anyway, the, the whole concept is heavy era setups with high FOC. And I kind of, I'd been researching it off and on last couple of years. And I guess about two months ago, I it got back on my mind. I started doing some heavy research then and kind of learned more of the why, I guess. Um, it makes a difference. And so um, I set out to get my my set up to to meet their standards if you will and you know it, i've been amazed so far honestly um ranch ferry recommends that you basically bear shaft tune um until you get to the weight that that starts shooting um uh, like darts even at 20 yards and you know I, i've never been one to bear shaft tune and i always thought well there's no way i can get a bear shaft to fly you know, perfect at say 20 yards, 30 yards, heaven forbid 40. But so when I started going down the rabbit hole, um, I was using the talk to LG and, uh, Jansen knows him and, uh, he kind of got on board, I think last year with it. Well, he was shooting pretty close to the same air setup I, as I was. And, um, gold tip makes the fact weight system where basically have a, 30 inch Allen wrench that you can run down the back of your air and screw in weights, different weights. And, um, so what I did was I went out, I started with a, uh, screwing a 50 grain weight in the back of the insert, shot them bare shaft. I screwed another 51 in when I hit a hundred grains and in the back of the insert. So looking at 114 grains cause the, the insert by itself is 14 grains, but, 114 grains on the insert and then switch from a hundred grain head to a 125 grain head. Um, they started flying like darts, bear shaft. And I was like, Holy cow, this is exactly what he's talking about, which that, that was around 530 grains total weight. So I was bear shafting at 40 yards on a target wow. with field points. And hmm. they were like, it was amazing. I, I've 100% bought in whenever I saw that. So my setup now, uh, I've added 20 more grains to that. So um, I've got 120 and then the 14 grains of the points. So 134 in the insert and then 125 grain tip. It's putting me right at 550 total grains. Um, and then they recommend shooting fixed blade cut on contact broadheads. So 
switched over to Magnus Stinger Buzz Cuts and Killer Head. Yeah, we're about to see what happens. But seriously, if you haven't, if you haven't researched it a lot, I, I really just he. So Doctor Ed Ashby can. He's very, very intelligent, and it some of the ways he explains it's kind of over my head. But then, when you listen to what the ranch fairy says, he almost dumbs it down where I can understand it, if that makes sense. And some of the analogies and stuff he uses <laughs> makes perfect sense, and it, it all it all started to add up when I started doing the research. But check now it. Out. I got a, I got a question for you. It's a personal one. All right. How many errors are you carrying? Um, here or in Ohio? <laughs> What's your, you know, are you going to carry six on your quiver or four? Or I guess how many arrows do you have set up specifically like that? So I set up eight like that. Um, three of them will get broadheads put on them right now, <laughs> shot into a broadhead target, and then they'll go they'll get resharpened and they'll go in my quiver and that's what I'll hunt with. And then the other five will just be set up with 125 grain field points. And that's what I'll shoot in the yard. Now, my, my question, cause I've, I've thought about dabbling into this myself and you don't have to answer it, but price wise, what are you looking at to get what you have? All right. So, and I don't mind telling you at all. Um, so for 12, so if you're shooting the gold tip system and I tossed around the idea of shooting the black Eagle arrows, they make some, some good, uh, weighted inserts, but LG sent me a message, recommended the, the gold tip stuff. So for a dozen 50 grain weights, it's 10 bucks. So I bought two packs of those. So you're looking at 20 bucks there. And then I bought one pack of 20 grain weights, so a dozen 20 grain weights for 10 more dollars. So 30 bucks is how much I've got in the weights. Okay. And then, I mean, that if your arrows are already, like if, if you're shooting gold tips, any gold tip insert has the threads on the back, so you don't have to change. Um, if not, on gold tips website, um, Half a dozen's fifty nine ninety nine, but my local shop had them for eight dollars an arrow. So for forty eight bucks, I got half a dozen. Okay. So less than a hundred. That's not that bad. I if mean, you were buying arrows and everything, you're going to have that in pretty much virtually any setup you shoot as far Absolutely. as. So some, some of the things not to, and we may do a separate podcast on this and talk about it sometime, but not to go too deep down the rabbit hole, but basically what he explains is kinetic energy out of the bow. Um, there's not much difference as far as, so what I was shooting was a 340 grain. That's a 346 was my total era setup last year with a mechanical head, 100 grain. Um, my new setup will be 550 with a fixed blade cut on contact. The kinetic energy out of the bow, obviously the 346 grain arrow has a little more energy coming out of the bow, but once it reaches the target, the heavier arrow 
has a lot more kinetic energy. And then he kind of explains the whole, the difference in momentum and kinetic energy. And the momentum is much higher in the heavier air. Right. And the, the thing about it is, and, and this was one of the things he explained and I'll, I'll explain it and then we'll, we'll kind of move on. But so he said, if you're, if you're driving a car, well, let me back up for a second. So he explained that a faster arrow has more resistance than a slower arrow. Well, I couldn't wrap my mind around that, but then I heard him explain it this way. If you're driving down the road at 30 miles an hour and you stick your hand out the window, you feel what the wind feels like blowing against your hand. Does that make sense? Yep. Mm -hmm. All right. Now go from 30 miles an hour and go to 60 miles an hour and stick your hand back out the window. It right. feels stronger. So there's more resistance. All right. So do the exact same thing. Now go 90 miles an hour, stick your hand out the window, even more resistance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So a slower era has less resistance in theory, in their, their scientific study. That's pretty cool. There's a lot more like look up the, the Ashby foundation and he's got, um, 12 different keys to aerolithality and most people study the bow and I, I'd never thought about it this way. Most people study the bow, but the bow is not what kills an animal. Right. And I had never thought of it that way. I was like, okay, that, that kind of makes sense. The arrow and the broadhead is what actually kills the animal. So that's what you should be focused on. And Again, once you once you read it all and, and look into all of it, it'll it makes much more sense. But Jansen, anything new you're trying this year? I wouldn't say I'm trying anything new. I'm pretty much starting fresh though. New bow. I gotta get it all set up. I'm shooting the this last year's model. It's just Matthews VXR thirty one and a half. Um excited about that last year i shot the verdicts loved it and but i wanted the vxr but so late late in the year i just went ahead with the the verdicts but both good bows shot the verdicts great and uh going to get a whole new camera set up i had a canon g20 for years and sold it to a buddy that wanted to get into filming he's going to He's going to use it this year, and I bought a Sony AX43. And to be quite honest with you, I hated it. Yeah, I've I've got one, and I've got the G20 and the AX43, and I, I'm not. I've tried to sell it, and I I still plan to sell it. I'm I'm not a real big fan. I sold mine. Uh, I mean, immediately after turkey season was over, I bought it for turkey season. Used it, hated it. The low light's awful. Um, AX, I mean, I'm not knocking Sony. I, I know they make great products, and I love the camera. But as far as low light, it's no comparison to the G20, which shocked me. Yeah, that was the only complaint I had about it. Like, the, the internal stabilization was awesome. Oh, yeah, it was a great camera. It was just not – I don't – I wouldn't recommend it for what we do. No, I agree um, completely. So I think I'm going to get 
a G30, which will still be an upgrade from the G20. I'm not, I, I don't know if you guys know or not. What is the difference there on the G20 and 30? Just the zoom. The G30 okay. has a, has the same low light sensor, uh, basically everything the same. It's just the zoom. I think it has a 20 times zoom where the, or a 20 times optical zoom. And then the G20 just has a 10 times optical zoom. Yeah, I, that's that's the only difference I'm gonna. I wouldn't necessarily call it upgrade, but get new camera equipment and do my do my same stuff. Excited, excited for another year. Absolutely. Well, we've we've covered several different topics and talked about it, but um, we're slowly running out of time. So, kind of wrap it up, I guess. Anybody else got anything before we jump off here? Nothing other than now I'm going to go get down the heavy arrow rabbit hole when we get off here. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it really is worth looking into. Um, I'll shoot you a, I'll shoot you a link to some podcasts, two of them specifically. One of them was on the meat eater podcast. And then one of them was uh, on the hunt in public. Those are the, the main two that I would listen to. And uh, it'd change your way of thinking. Overall, so. the, the basis of it is a light arrow with a mechanical head will work 100% of the time if you make a absolute perfect shot behind the shoulder and you don't hit a rib. Right. But you can't control whether you hit ribs or not most of the time. Right. Shoulder, yeah, it's on you if you make a bad shot and hit him in the shoulder. But ribs, you can't really control. So you, you've got a lot of factors that play into it. You being nervous, you shaking, you not making a perfect shot. Again, we're all human. Um, that's one. The animal moving. There's just a lot of things that go into it. So the the heavy arrow setup is basically a plan B if, if you don't make the perfect shot or you don't hit them in the perfect really? place. As well as the combination with the fixed head. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I can't remember if it was a podcast or, or who said it, but they said, you know, obviously as hunters, we're out there to make the cleanest kill and for the animal to die as quickly as possible. So with a mechanical broadhead, the, yes, the blood trails are great. The wound channels are great. But it's a chance that are you willing to take that chance of if I make the mistake that we all make or should I just switch to a fixed head cut on contact where I know it's going to do its job regardless. You won't have yeah. like you, you would with the big rages and stuff like that, but it's, it's one of them things. Yeah. It's, it definitely makes a lot of sense. It does. And when, when you start listening to, or reading the information, it'll it'll make even more. I, I think what what heads um, you're using the Magnus Stinger Bucks cuts this year. Yeah, I think I'm going to try Exodus. That was the two. That was the two I was between. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with Exodus. I've I've only heard good things. I did talk to when I was talking with LG about it. He said he didn't know why, and he was going to look into it further, but. He had a little bit of trouble getting his Exodus heads to fly uh, as good as the Magnus, but I had kind of settled in on Magnus 
before, but that was that was the two that I was down to. I know Cameron, and you you know Cameron obviously. He's a big fan of Magnus. He shot him for years. The Stinger bus cuts as well. I think he shoots. He shot some Exodus now too, I believe. Yeah, he he's one of them guys that he'll have six arrows with six different broadheads on him. Yeah. <laughs> Job done. Yeah, the only way to test them out. That's right. Well, good deal, fellas. I appreciate y'all taking the time out of your day to sit down and let's get back on here. And I've enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to more of them. Um, again, like I said at the beginning, we are planning to have a, a guest next week. And I look forward to that. And I, y'all know who it is. So um, He's excited about it. I think uh, he's more of a turkey guy than a deer guy, let's say. But he uh, he's rough on some whitetails, too. So. Maybe uh, I know we talked about LG. Maybe we can get him on here and uh, talk saddle. Absolutely, yeah, that'd be a good one. I'll uh, I'll reach out to him and see that. He'd be a good one to get on here too. All right, fellas, y'all got anything else before we jump off here? I think I think Ryan should say a quick prayer. Absolutely, yeah. Father, we thank you for another day of life, Lord. We thank you for the time spent together just in conversation, Lord. We thank you for uh, the opportunity to to do these things that we love and uh, to fell, spend time in fellowship with each other. And uh, we thank you for all that you do for us and loving us and for your mercy and for your grace and. Uh, we just ask that you be with us and help us to be a, a lot to uh, to others that we come in contact with. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, fellas. Um, let's get after it. Won't be long. We'll be in a, a tree somewhere. Yes, sir. Well, you guys be safe. Have a good night. All right. See you. Hey, man, you too. <laughs>